Welcome to the Facility Dude Podcast. Here's your host, Bob, Papa Dude Bittner. Welcome everyone to the Facility Dude Podcast. We're here on this rainy morning. Um, I'm here with Bob Bittner. How are you, Bob? I'm doing great. It is kind of rainy out, but it's really refreshing to get some rain. Absolutely. My yard and my garden really needed it. It's a good follow-up to last week's water, water everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and, and fortunately we're not getting water everywhere, exactly. like some places of the country, but it is refreshing to get a little bit of rain. Well, so what are we going to be speaking about this morning? Well, I'm, I'm going to start a, a two-part series today. Uh, really kind of talking about indoor air quality. And uh, we mentioned this last week in the uh, podcast about also the presence of mold and Mm -hmm. uh, water damage in a building. And we're really going to focus on that on the second part of this. Okay. Uh, But the first part, we're going to to, uh, reference and look at indoor air quality. And I'd like to give a disclaimer right up front (laughs) that uh, I'm not a degreed industrial hygienist or indoor air quality expert but I think I do uh, know enough about it and have had enough experience to share some ideas and thoughts with with my peers out there. Okay, duly noted. In the facility (laughs) world. So uh, don't take me to court if I tell you something wrong today. (laughs) Gotcha. Uh, You know, the the definition of indoor air quality is is a wide, wide open discussion. And uh, although uh, EPA and ASHRAE, ASHRAE, EPA being the Environmental Protection Agency, mm-hmm. and uh, ASHRAE being the American Society of Heating and Refrigeration uh, and Air Conditioning Engineers, which set standards and guidelines for these things to, to be applied in our buildings. They have come up with a, a couple definitions. EPA refers to indoor air quality as the temperature, humidity, ventilation, and chemical or biological contents of the air inside of a building. Well, that's a mouthful. So do you know any more about it, Grace? (laughs) I'm going to go with, I'm going to let you explain it a little further. And it it sounds a little scary, maybe, right? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, ASHRAE says, air in which there is not known contaminants at harmful concentrations by cognizant authorities and with which a substantial majority, 80% or more, of the people exposed do not express dissatisfaction. Huh. Again, it sounds like lawyers wrote this, right? <laughs> They're covering their bases. Exactly. And, and the thing about uh, indoor air quality is because of our uniqueness as people, uh, we're sensitive to things and we respond to things differently. It, it's really hard to pinpoint and say, this is really what you've got to do and this is how you have to respond to it. We'll talk a little bit more specifically uh, about that when we uh, deal with the subject of mold. But there's a, uh, a couple um, uh, measurements that I'd like to talk about uh, this morning, and we talk about this a lot when we're talking about indoor air quality. It's called parts per million. The part that they re- usually refer to is a gram. Okay. But I'm going to convert that to dollars for just a moment. And uh, let's say we have a stack of million dollar one dollar bills here okay uh that would be pretty nice to be able to take take that Mm -hmm. i would take that as well but we're going to talk about some concentration levels that would say let's say for instance the co2 in a building and we'll describe that in just a moment the co2 in air uh, is about 400 parts per million Mm -hmm. so that's a stack of one four hundred one dollar bills yeah uh on the table gotcha 
And uh, so, you know, you can see quite a difference in that stack. Okay. I could relate to $400 a lot easier than I can a million. I could probably scrape up $400 to Mm -hmm. use that as a visual demonstration. Probably not a million. We might have a little difficulty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We may have to go talk to some of our friends to to get that. But a lot of times we're talking in in, um, uh, indoor air quality in parts per million. And so I think it's just a good reference to to visualize that difference about what that might be. Uh, As we look at it, there is a substantial amount of of health issues that have been uh, identified and and we look at in the facility uh, condition space. Mm -hmm. And one of them is uh, CO2, carbon dioxide, which is what we breathe out. When we breathe in oxygen, then we expel carbon dioxide. And it's just a beautiful, amazing thing that uh, our plants in the world need CO2 to become green and to grow and to flourish and to provide us vegetables and so forth. So CO2 is not necessarily bad, but in certain concentrations levels, it can cause some effects on us. It's bad for us in certain situations. In certain (laughs) situations. So you don't put a uh, plastic bag over your head and uh, (laughs) decide you're going to just recirculate your air for the rest of the day. Not a good idea. Would be good. <laughs> uh, in in normal air, as it's, we're just surrounded by it outside, there is naturally about 400 parts per million of CO2 in the air. Now that's not to be uh, confused with CO, which is carbon monoxide, which comes out of our cars, out of our boilers, and so forth, out of burning things. Right. Uh, which is much more harmful, and we can determine the the effects on people. Uh, and limits on it. What the EPA and ASHRAE have identified is that CO2, carbon dioxide, is not harmful uh, up to about 5,000 parts per million uh, that we would really have any health effects. Where it does become uh, a problem in our buildings is that we become lethargic. So when you get above uh, a 1,000 parts per million, then you start bringing in more carbon dioxide into your body and you become a little lethargic, you become sleepy. So if you imagine yourself sitting in a very crowded church service (laughs) and you always thought it was the preacher that was putting you to sleep after you'd been there for about 40 minutes and then they're going to get up and and speak and we've got a, a room full of people and no fresh air coming in that all of a sudden we start to get tired and we start to doze off and Mm. we're comfortable. And so that's why we want to keep the CO2 levels lower in our building. To keep us awake. Yeah. (laughs) And and if you can imagine in a uh, a school situation, uh, in a classroom where you've got uh, 30 kids in the classroom, a couple adults uh, over the period of the day, you want to keep those 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 uh, CO2 levels down to an acceptable level that really helps influence learning. So it's a it's an impact of what you're trying to do. Not that you're necessarily going to be harmful to the students if it goes over uh, a thousand, but uh, even for long, long, long periods of time, you'd have to really have high concentration levels to be a real serious health effect to okay. you. Okay, gotcha. So does that make sense? It does. It does. It explains it a little bit better. And so you see uh, on um, assembly areas, you'll see. Uh, a sign on the door or inside the room that says, this space is designed for 
X number of occupants, mm -hmm. okay? Mostly that is done because of life safety. Right. How do Fire I get out of that? that How do I get out of this building? If the, the space is built for 500 people mm -hmm. and you ought to all of a sudden put 1,000 people in there, it's a safety issue. Right. And so that's really what that's designed for. But when the architect designs that building, they design the air conditioning for that kind of a space, that number of people in mm -hmm. there. And so they take those things into consideration when they're, when they're designing the building. So they have appropriate CO2 levels, appropriate fresh air makeup coming into the building. Huh. And uh, so there's, there's things both internal to the building and external to the building that cause some of these problems. Internally, we have people that like to bring in fresh air uh, fresheners. Uh-huh. You know, these plug-in Prezees. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, they can contribute to indoor air quality because mm -hmm. some people are sensitive to it where others are not. I might like cinnamon and you might like rose. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, uh, and, and some of the other areas, oh, this one has really been uh, uh, addressed a lot mostly in, uh, in the United States, but smoking. Uh, we typically, there's very few places anymore that smoking is allowed right. inside the buildings. Perfume is one. Strong perfume. You know, sometimes I will get on an elevator with somebody and think, man, I hope they're only going to the next floor. <laughs> or you get on an elevator and that smell is still there, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> that uh, uh, they, don't, uh, they don't obviously smell it as much as we do. Cleaning products, normally things that uh, people bring in, cleaning products, that's why uh, all businesses discourage people from bringing their own cleaning products in because you really don't know what you're bringing into the building. Yeah, I had a question. So yeah. how, with all of this stuff in the air, how does that relate to a facility manager and how do they regulate that? Is there somewhere, you, is the, does a BAS show up the air quality or how does that regulate? There's, there's not really a symbol on the BAS for dictate for understanding what the air quality is when we talk about these a lot of different things. There is with CO2. We can take measurements. We have sensors out in the building that calculate when uh, what the CO2 level is and be able to make reactions to the air handler to bring in more fresh air. So the more harmful things the more, we definitely the, monitor. The, the things that, that, that we can control. Mm -hmm. uh, we can't, the, for instance, the building automation system can't control what air freshener you bring in. Right, right. But what we do do then is try to make awareness to people. And there is also... Um, a, uh, the MSDS uh, sheets, material safety data right. sheets, mm -hmm. that uh, a lot of companies require, uh, and, re and really the EPA require, that products that are being brought into a building are identified as to their hazard level and, and are labeled as such. Mm -hmm. Not that you can't bring them in, but that you know and you get approval from it. Gotcha. Uh, so that's why it's discouraged a lot for, for uh, occupants of a building not to bring in their own cleaning products, not because you don't know how you're going to affect somebody else that might be an office away. The air handling system picks that up and distributes it around the building. I had an incident uh, when I was at the school system where there was a, a child that was hypersensitive to, the, to corn. Mm -hmm. And uh, two rooms down, they were popping corn, and this, this child went into anaphylactic oh, shock. shock. Uh, just from the air handling system, bringing that up, rota uh, rotating that into the air system, and bringing it into that room, and that child went into into shock, and oh, they had to give him the epi 
pen shot and, you know, very serious. Right, right. Um, and uh, one of the things, uh, a lot of people will, um, uh, will try to understand the difference. Uh, we'll, we'll try to use that to get certain conditions of their space. Sure. Uh, what I always recommend to facility managers uh, is that we ought to be very sensitive and do everything we can to make the environment good for the people that are around us. Right. And so, but if somebody comes in and says, my doctor says this or my doctor says that or I have headaches, I, uh, some people uh, have problems with fluorescent lights and will get headaches. And what I would always say is, we'll be glad to do something. You bring us a uh, written note from your doctor exactly what it is that we're trying to solve and then we'll do our best to put that in place to give you a healthy workplace Absolutely. environment. Because if you don't, then you, you are kind of chasing yourself all around. Everybody then automatically says, well, Mary got this. She got a special air conditioner in her room, sure. and I want it now, and, <laughs> and so forth. That happens here in this office a few times. Yeah, <laughs> you get and, and it, happens, it happens a lot uh, in the heating season. Is mm-hmm. what more you get the heater so. envy when people have the new good heaters in their office. <laughs> yes, and uh, so there's a lot of sources internally. Uh, we may have to divide this out and make three sessions out of it <laughs> and, and go to, to external, but there's a lot of things externally to the building that uh, cause problems as well. Uh, things like trucks idling outside of a building and that being drawn in. Spraying pesticides or herbicides around the building, uh, that being sucked into the airstream. A lot of things that you don't see or you don't think about every day. And that's stuff that a filter probably doesn't even really catch. Exactly. The the filters are not designed to catch that kind of stuff. Gotcha. uh, Because the particles are so small Mm -hmm. and uh, they become uh, pervasive in the area at the time. Uh, We had some situations uh, and this was a design flaw and should be looked at very carefully in the design of a building. But where does the exhaust stack from a boiler, uh, where does that go? Is it, does it create a place where it can be sucked back sucked in, back in. Okay. on an in, in, in a, uh, intake for an air handler, for instance? Sure. So there's a lot of things like that that really have to be really seriously looked at and taken into consideration when you're looking at this whole issue of indoor air quality. Uh, so there's, there's these guidelines that are put out that we want, want to try to maintain our buildings by. You know, temperature and humidity in the space. And you might notice in the wintertime that when you're walking around and you're on a carpet and you touch somebody, you might get shocked. And, and, but in the summertime, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Well, it's because the air is drier in the wintertime. There's less humidity. That, that static electricity is dissipated through the humidity. When in the summertime and in the wintertime, it's not. And so when I touch you, snap. Yeah. <laughs> we get that uh, sparkling in our eyes <laughs> uh, when we when we uh, go to touch uh, hands or something. There is a uh, a chart. I've got it here, and I know it's hard for people to see, but uh, because can you folks see this? I'm holding <laughs> this up here this morning. But it's called a psychometric chart, and most facility managers will have one of these. But what it really tells you is. In the summer, where is the comfort zone for people, both for uh, temperature and humidity, and then where is it in the wintertime? So you can see by this that there's two different zones in here, Hmm. and uh, how the temperature and humidity uh, interact and give us comfort. And so these are areas that people, that that it's been decided through ASHRAE that people are most comfortable in their work environment. And so we do a lot to, to, uh, 
try to keep our spaces within that. And then when we do, and we introduce fresh outside air, a certain amount into the space, then we can control things like CO2 right. uh, in the space because we know what it does, how much we need to bring in to offset 30 kids and two teachers in a classroom. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we can figure that out in engineering terms to be able to do that. Uh, where it becomes more difficult, as you said, well, what about all the other things? Mm -hmm. Are there standards for all these other things? And uh, it may be where I might react to, not react till I get to 5,000 parts per million of CO2, another chemical like arsenic or something that has been prevalent in carpets and desks over the years when they used to manufacture with that product and they would have off-gassing that it may only be 500 parts per million. Hmm. That So it's difficult to uh, understand what it is. If you used to go into buildings five or six, 10, 12, 15 years ago, and new carpet was put in, and your eyes started to water, and I uh, said, this is a brand new building, why am I feeling like this? Mm -hmm. And it's because of the off-gassing of the products that were brought in there. So there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of things going on today in the facility manager's world that uh, they have to be aware of. Just where did the product come from, and you're gonna put it in here. Right, right. So even paint, for instance, I come in and, and uh, they've done a lot of work with, with paint as far as off-gassing of fumes that have made it uh, a lot more uh, acceptable in the environment not to pr uh, produce an indoor air quality issue. Right. It used to be when we had a lot of VOCs in the paints, you'd paint and you'd walk into the room and you'd get a headache. Right. You'd have to leave, you paint your house and you you want to leave for the afternoon after you painted in the morning and open up all the windows and mm -hmm. let that dissipate. Gotcha. Uh, so it's just a it's just an area that we really have to be uh, pay attention to. We just scratched uh, on this very high surface of indoor air quality. But what I would say to the facility managers out there is that you should not take this lightly. That you really should uh, understand uh, that people have effects from it that there are individuals that are hypersensitive to, uh, to chemicals and to smells and to things that are going on, and it's not just psychological, right? Uh, but that really is does cause an effect. And we have an obligation to provide a good, uh, healthy work environment for people to, to perform in. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so let's uh, let's carry this over into next week. Okay? All right, let's do that. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much, Bob, and we will see you guys next week when we're going to continue talking about the indoor air quality. Thank you for listening to the Facility Dude Podcast. We love to hear your feedback about the show. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and help other facility operations professionals like yourself find the show. Email your questions or comments to podcast at facilitydude.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Facility Dude. We look forward to hearing from you.